the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Privileged today to be speaking with Josiah Sloan, chef, with the restaurant that I used to frequent regularly in Saratoga, St. Sylvie. No, that's not going to be a problem anymore. It's, it was a problem within the page when the check came, but the food was delicious. Happy to hear that. Uh, with that being said, we live in the Bay Area, you and I do, and uh, we have high expectations for food. Is that fair to say? Yeah, born and raised here. Grew up with good food. Uh, if you go to the Midwest, good food is TGIF Fridays. I'm sorry to hear that. It is pretty pretty shocking. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on my radio show a couple years ago, and this is turning into an annual tradition during the holiday seasons, is you go table to table um, in your restaurant, or you went table to table in your restaurant, and you're opening a new concept called Relish in Saratoga, December. Um, and you would talk about food and your love of food. And I find that interesting because I I grew up in eating Captain Crunch, and now I look at Captain Crunch and it's the most despicable thing in the world. Right. Yeah, I mean, I grew up going to farmer's markets. My mom was a hippie, you know, before Whole Foods moved in. You know, we were going to the health food store, going to the farmer's market. So that's how I grew up. And that's the first stock that we've mentioned, Whole Foods. And the reason I bring it in, because you and I have to eat every day until the day we die. Absolutely. And there's an investment in that, but there's also a quality decision in that. You could eat well or you could eat poorly. Um, Whole Foods was a concept that came out six, seven, well, 15 years ago. To be fair, and it had a good run, but the Safeways and the Krogers have started copying. We got organic too, um, but the consumer was really drawn into that whole organic thing, and then the fresh market came, and Sprouts came, and uh, what was once a, a no competition suddenly had a lot of competition. Yeah, I mean Costco is one of the largest retailers of organic products in the country. Let's talk about that. The word organics, from a chef's perspective, what does organics mean? And from me, a consumer perspective. Like, I think I've heard something like Walmart says, okay, to be labeled organic, you're only allowed to use two out of the ten pesticides on this list. Yeah, I mean, just because something's organic doesn't mean it hasn't been sprayed with chemicals. It just means the chemicals that it's been sprayed with or are, you know, 
approved as organic pesticides, quote unquote. Um, so is it better for you than conventional grown? Probably. I mean, for me as a chef, what I'm concerned about is, you know, I'm not dogmatic about everything must be organic. I mean, my belief, you know, personally is if you eat more organic things in your overall diet, it's got to be better for you. Um, you know, for me, I like to know the farmers. I like to go out to the farmers markets. I like to ask people, you know, how exactly is this grown? I like to go visit the farms and see, you know, how exactly is it grown? Um, and, and generally the better farmers, they grow organic. Although there has been a trend, you know, with the smaller farmers to stop being certified organic and just grow their food organically because the organic label has been, you know, become so sort of polluted by agriculture regulations. It doesn't mean that much anymore. It's interesting that you bring that up because, um, again, I, I will never go to a farm. I've been to a farm once and Having gone to a farm and seen a cow, I just couldn't eat meat for a year. Um, go, to, go to a vegetable farm. I think you'll want to just watch, you know, if it's an, if it's a, you know, well-run farm, I think you'll just want to go over to the field and pull something out of the ground and put it in your mouth immediately. I'm with you on that. So, um, so farmers markets in the Bay Area. Um, what's your opinion? The, something are they all created the same or some of them better than others i mean i think some are better than others and it's a matter of you know finding out what sorts of products um you know you like i'm down in the south bay i live in campbell and it happens you know i think in terms of diversity and overall quality of producers i think the campbell farmers market is fantastic um you know that being said there's a if you you know want asian specialty produce cupertino has a fantastic farmers market it's just different producers saratoga has a great farmers market um they're not all created equal it's just a matter of finding the market that has the producers that are compelling for you so when i first met you one of the things you did you came to our table and i was sitting with dan rusinowski the voice of the san jose sharks dropping a little bit there yeah slap shut <laughs> um one of the things you talked about was goat was on the menu. Oh, yeah. And I made the simple mistake of saying, goat's kind of interesting. And you talked for 30 minutes about goats. I mean, goat is one of the you know most widely consumed meats in the world. Just I did not. Know. Just not in the U.S. Okay. Um, well, I mean, I got, I got turned on to goat when I was working down in the Caribbean. I worked in Jamaica for a year and a half. And when the British settlers came to Jamaica, they brought goats or they wanted lamb. Okay. But they, you know, they brought goat because that's what would do well in the in the you know warm Caribbean climate, and so goat's a huge thing in Jamaica. So I got you know the opportunity to work with these goats, and I said, wow, this is you know great because over here, when you think of goat, you normally think of you know something like birria de chivo at a Mexican restaurant or an Indian goat curry or something like that, where they you know are just loading up the goat with a ton of spices, and it could be you know could be anything, right? Well, what I found interesting, and again, some people look at me and they're like, ooh, you do radio and TV, that must be so much, that's so cool, and it's it's not as cool as it looks. But uh, I'm like, goat, you can't get that at a supermarket, can you? And you're like, yeah, I got this goat up in Portland, and you you went on for 30 minutes and you told me you're going to use every single bit of that goat. Well, so so the thing is, you know, the, the sort of commercial food systems have evolved around being able to match supply and demand. So, you know, if you look at sort of, Pre-World War II and even, you know, after World War II, you know, as a local butcher would bring in, you know, a whole animal and, you know, try to make cuts that were compelling for people to use, steaks, roasts, braising cuts, whatever. And, 
price it accordingly so it would sell. So that's why, you know, you have like cheap cuts and whatever. In another country, what are the cheap cuts here? Maybe the expensive cuts because they're desirable for the, you know, sort of cuisine they're producing. Um, so, you know, and then it all became centralized and commercial, big packing houses in the Midwest, big concentrated feeding operations and everything. Um, and that's why it's now it's possible to buy as many filet mignons as you want because, you know, you're, you don't really have a local butcher anymore, although there's still some like Schaub's in, uh, at Stanford Shopping Center and, you know, several, you know, places up in San Francisco and stuff like that. But, you know, the retail markets are bringing in just individual cuts of meat and cutting them into steaks or roasts or whatever. So, you know, all the supply and demand management's happening somewhere in the Midwest. Okay. Um, so if you want to serve goat, there's, that doesn't exist for goat because the demand for goats just not high enough. So you're buying, you're bringing in whole goats. I mean, that's all you can get if you want quality. So if you, if you and I are on a road trip and we see a goat on the side of the road, a farmer, we steal this goat and I give you enough knives and stuff, you could make a, a di- dinner out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. When I was de- working down in Jamaica, I mean, the goats are running around. You have to slaughter them. You have to. You know, eviscerate them. You have to skin them. It's not like a pretty part of, um, you know, what what we do. But it's also, to me, sort of the litmus test of, you know, whether or not you should consider becoming a vegetarian. Um, you know, in my personal life, I eat, you know, predominantly vegetarian diet. But I'm not opposed to meat. So we've got about a minute left in this segment. You talked about the commercialization of meat. Um, a company like a Cisco, do you have any opinions on them? Are they good? Are they bad? who delivers food to basically the world's cafeterias, the world's restaurants, the world's uh, universities? Well, I mean, they're they're good and bad because, you know, they have like, you know, Cisco has like, you know, for any given product, they might have five or ten different, you know, product lines within that. So in terms of a distribution network, they're great. And they've, you know, started to work with, you know, some smaller, higher quality producers and, um, in that sense, they're good in terms of, you know, low-quality com- commodity products going to, you know, school cafeterias. Maybe not so good. Sounds good. It's Josiah Sloan. He's going to be with me the whole hour. If you have any food questions, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. He's the operator of the new restaurant in Saratoga called Relish this December. You're listening to Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. I like talking trends. I like talking themes. I like talking stocks. I like talking getting into retirement. One of the things that I that, that you have to do is you got to learn how to think. And one night I went to dinner in Saratoga, a restaurant called St. Sylvie, and I met Josiah Sloan, chef. Uh, Bay Area, grew up in Palo Alto, went to UCLA. Not a traditional background as a chef, though, right? No, I started out in electrical engineering. I would say that's not typical. Not typical. So how did you fall into the chefing? world i i just started cooking i've always enjoyed cooking since i was a little kid and started working for restaurants and working my way up through restaurants and just happened okay and your former restaurant sansovi did it ever like it was delicious did it ever play with like the michelin chip world or um what is the whole michelin chip world seems to have gotten like watered down recently 
Well, it is it is what it is. I mean, it's one metric for evaluating restaurants. I mean, we just kind of always did what we did, you know. We, did, we didn't really. I never like looked too much to like. Oh, if I want to get a Michelin star, I have to do this or I have to do that. We just did what we did. What we did, and people overall liked it. So there's a celebrity chef, Anthony Bourdain. He was quoted, and I, I caught this quote, and I thought it was a pretty smart quote. And you tell me if it's right or wrong. Um, he said, in the world of food, um, either go with the cheap stuff that's like really local or go with the super high-end stuff. Skip the middle of the road. So either get a I, – I, I took it as to mean get a $50 steak or get a $5 Mexican burrito from authentic Mexican taqueria. Yeah, I mean I, there's definitely some truth to that because, you know, the, the middle end has been kind of a, a little bit of a wasteland um, – you know, up until recently, I think, you know, the trend in the demand is, you know, a lot of fine dining chefs and a lot of restaurants are moving more towards, you know, sort of an upscale casual, um, part, you know, segment of the market where you can do really good food. You can use high quality ingredients, um, but you can do so, so in a more casual setting at a lower price point, you know, perhaps with smaller portions or whatever, just less sort of involved preparations. Um, you know, at Sent Sovi, we um, had the main dining room where, you know, we did a six-course ta- chef's tasting menu, and we had an a la carte menu as well. Um, but we opened a lounge about uh, three years ago or so um, in, in what, what used to be a banquet room, um, and, that, and that became a big driver for our business. It was the same quality food coming in the back door, but when it got to the table, it was just simple presentations, very tasty, healthy Sort of food that you'd want to eat every day, where Sensovi was a more of a special occasion dining type place. You know, go out on a date. Yeah, um, I really, I already miss Sensovi. So, and you're opening a new concept relish. Yeah, is that tied towards trends? It's not tied towards trends per se, but I think it's tied towards what people want, and what people want is good food um, that's healthy, where they know where it came from. Um, you know, for about two years, we've bought 100% of the produce for the restaurant straight from the Campbell Farmer's Market. And if it wasn't coming from the Campbell Farmer's Market, it was coming from the farmers at the Campbell's Farmer's Market delivering directly to us. Um, so we're going to continue that with the new concept. You know where your food comes from. You know who grew it. You know how it was grown. And, uh, you know, I think that's really important to people these days. It is, because in my hometown of San Carlos, there's a restaurant called Saltbox. And salt boxes on the downstairs is a cute little restaurant. But upstairs on the roof, they have a farm. And you can see it from the road. They farm their own ingredients. Not all of them, of course, because it's a small place. So you know right. they're cheating a little bit. But um, it, And it's a concept that it's, it's booked for lunch. It's booked for dinner for weeks and months out. Well, I mean, I think the advantage to growing things yourself is that you can get the exact varietals you want. You can harvest them at the maturity you want. Um, so I think, it, you know, I think the you know, solution in a practical sense being in the Bay Area where you don't have, you know, big tracts of land behind your business to farm, um, you know, is to grow things that are important to you, grow things that are, you know, that you see as integral to your cuisine, um, and then work with farmers and develop the relationships. And, you know, by having, you know, relationships with farmers that are in, say, multiple growing regions in Santa Clara Valley, Santa Cruz Mountains, you know, wherever they're growing, 
It also gives you a little bit of insurance, uh, you know, with weather events. It extends out your season a little bit. You know, we're, we're not talking about, you know, going down to Southern California and, and buying produce, or we're not talking about going to Mexico, but even with, you know, Santa Clara Valley, and the tomatoes happen late. It's just a fact. So talking about trends and talking about tastes, you know, um, processed foods and everything like that, I grew up with TV dinners. I actually wrote a high school paper on TV dinners that, you know, they were probably safer to eat than farmer's food because scientists actually have to check off a TV dinner on the safety of it, whereas a farmer's market, it's kind of a crapshoot. Is it really organic? Is it not organic? Um, well, I mean, there's been, you know, cases, you can you can look at it online, there's been cases of organic fraud, essentially people, you know, passing off produce as not organic as organic. Um, but, you know, if you can... I'm a pretty good judge of people, and I think you are too. You know, if you if you go to the farmer's market, you talk to the farmer, you're going to get a pretty good idea whether or not they actually grew it. You know, how did they grow it? When did they plant it? You know, what irrigation methods do they use? Whatever. You can ask them questions, and if you see any red flags, just go to the next guy and talk to him. You might you might get, you know, better results. So I have, you know, my favorite farmers that I deal with. You know, one of my favorites at the Campbell Farmer's Market is Lonely Mountain Farms. They're a... Small farm up in, they're down in Coralitos, so they're in Watsonville, basically. And it's, you know, it's like three guys farming. I've been out to their farm. I've, you know, pulled strawberries right out of the ground and eaten them. It's, it's, it's awesome. And they're able to make a, you know, I don't think they're getting rich off of it, but they're able to make a living and have a, have a life farming. They sell up at the San Francisco Ferry Plaza and they sell at, uh, the Campbell Farmer's Market and they sell farm direct. But the quality of their produce is is absolutely stunning. The way it's handled, the way it's you know brought to the market, the way it's you know picked and packed, um, and and the actual varietal selection um, of seeds is just all top notch. And as a chef, you know that's the most important thing to me. And I think Anthony, you know, to quote Anthony Bourdain, you know, he said, "I don't mind eating something, you know, I'm going to grow a third arm, but it better be you know darn tasty." Gotcha, gotcha. You know, like, what should I buy at a farmer's market and what should I avoid a farmer's market? You know, I always try to buy, you know, it sounds like I think I put it in one of my email newsletters, um, you know, for anyone who's watched The Wire on TV. Sure. You know, it sounded like a wire quote to me. And, you know, it's, it's all good. It's all pretty good during the middle of the season. Um, so, you know, if everybody has peaches, you know, it's the middle of the season. There's probably they're all they're all probably pretty good. Um if you're talking about like the beginning of the season or the tail end of the season, you know, that's when you have to you know, you just have to taste it and see. But if you're buying in the middle of the season at the farmers markets around here, it's so competitive with the you know, vendors, you can't go wrong. One of the best investments I ever made, Josiah, was I got a lime tree, orange tree, lemon tree. I don't pay for oranges, lemons or limes anymore. I'm coming over to your house for drinks. <laughs> Smart man. With that being said, it's Josiah Sloan. He's staying with me for the whole hour. You can call 800-516-1220, 800-516-1220 if you have any food questions. Otherwise, he and I are going to talk it up. Um, i got questions about spices. I've got questions about Yelp. I've got questions about processed foods, U.S. versus the emerging markets, and much, much more. Take a break. We'll be right back. Come with me and you'll be in the world of pure imagination. Take a
You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeartRadio Station. You begin with the spin, traveling this is Fiona Apple. She was paid by Chipotle to come up with a song that they turned into an animation that was basically a knock on the food industry. And you basically see a cow in a field, and then he's on a conveyor belt, and then he's in the factory, and then he's a Big Mac. Um, and it was kind of showing you the, the dark side of the food industry and the manufacturing processes of it. Um, I'm talking with Josiah Sloan today. Um, Chef from Saint-Savé, who recently is uh, repurposing itself into a new restaurant called Relish in Saratoga. I highly recommend people check it out. He's a great guy. He's a fun person, and uh, he puts together a hell of a menu with a lot of fresh taste tied towards it. Um, When I met you, one of the things you and I talked about the first time, and you've been on now, I think, three times over the years, and you'll be on a fourth time next holiday season because I like these breaks. I like these concepts, these trends. Um, You talked about how... In America, McDonald's is cheap, but everywhere else in the world, McDonald's is expensive. And, like, you can't possibly get 10 pieces of nuggets and, you know, a, a big thing of fries for two, $2.50 or $3.50. Um, how are they making that much food profitable? Well, I mean, I think part of it is just due to the, you know, the structure of crop subsidies in the U.S. I mean, if you're going to grow cattle, you need, you know, grain and soybeans and whatever, and you know, just the way it the way it works, uh, the feed is cheap, so the meat's cheap, so it has to be processed somehow. So that's where the word processing comes in. Yeah, I mean, it's it's economics, right? And you know, that's just how it is in this country right now. I dated a younger woman at one point who she was really big, and we're in LA, we're having a nice vacation, and she ordered orange juice, and she asked, "Is the orange juice fresh?" And the waiter, not English first language, uh, yes. And she goes, then she like. Does the hands, she does the squeezing motion. Is it fresh? He goes, yes. And she's like, is it fresh? And it tr- kind of drove me crazy. But I grew up with carton orange juice from concentrate. <laughs> you know, like, well, I mean, there's it, a big trend now. But even if you look at, like, you know, what the food processing industry is, has done. So, you know, look at something like, uh, I think it's, uh, what is it, Simply Orange Juice. You know, it comes in the cartons mm-hmm. at the grocery store. I believe it's a Coca-Cola product. Coca-Cola or Pepsi? Yeah. And so it's not from concentrate. And there's only a certain season of the year that you can, you know, have oranges. But, you know, in order to bring that product to market all year long consistently, they're storing chilled orange juice in huge, you know, it looks like a chemical processing plant in huge silos, you know, recirculating and refrigerated. And then it gets, you know, sort of stripped down and reblended and filtered and pulp added, pulp taken out. Um, So it's not from concentrate, but it doesn't mean that it was you know, juiced any time recently. Goes through a lot of processing. In that same conversation that we originally had, you're like, in America, a goat is super expensive, whereas if you go to the Caribbean, a goat is super cheap. Well, actually, vegetables are super cheap in most countries. Meat's usually more expensive because you have to grow feed to feed the meat. Okay. Um, But, yeah, I mean, most, you know, in the U.S., quality, you know, vegetables are actually quite expensive overall, you know. There's a company that's starting out. There's um, talking about uh, quite expensive, and I'm dropping the name of them right now. But basically, they're turning ugly vegetables into a food movement um, because companies like Safeway and companies like Lenardi's they want pretty looking fruit. They don't want the slightly irregular fruit. Uh, what do you, what's your thoughts on the food chain on that level? 
Well, I mean, I think it, you know, old old habits die hard um, to a certain extent. And if you look at why, you know, why do people want that, you know, perfect apple? I think it has to do, you know, with the rise of the, you know, sort of the processed food industry, the decline of the family farm, especially post World War II, and you know, this ideal was set that your food should look like this, even if it tastes like cardboard. Um, you know, red delicious apples, in my opinion, are one of the worst fruits ever. Just they just don't taste good compared to other apples. What, what other apples do you like? Granny Smith? I mean, uh, you know, mainstream varieties. Yeah, Granny Smiths are are good. But I like going out. You know, one of my favorite apple growers are out at the Campbell Farmers Market, Previdelli. Their apples are delicious. They grow, I think, a hundred and something varieties of apples, and you know, they surprise me with varieties I've never heard of. You know, and I say, what's it like? And they say, here, taste it. Which is always a wonderful thing. Yeah. So let's talk a little um, food eats, um, because I think uh, the Bay Area's got a, we're pretty known for our foodies. Um, have you heard of the su- sushi rito? No, tell me about it. It's part burrito, part sushi. Hmm. So it's a burrito stocked with fish, essentially. And it's San Francisco. It's it's huge. It's big. Um, but again, what's that? That tells me. We want something new. We're tired of lemon chicken. We're tired of teriyaki chicken. We want something new. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, a lot, you know, especially with the rise of, you know, food media, say, you know, the Food Network and and others, um, you know, people are a lot more open to trying new things. Um, And I think there's also sort of a, a trend towards trendiness. Sushi Rito sounds like that. Whether people will be eating it in five years or ten years or a hundred years from now, you know, who knows? Great cuisines, you know, continue to evolve and recipes that people like continue to, you know, be made and people continue to eat them. And, you know, a hundred years later, they're still relevant. Whether a Sushi Rito will be relevant a hundred years from now, who knows? So I just pulled up a concept for you. Did, did you bring any in today? I did not. I'm not one of those people who brings food into, ra- into radio stations. I always find that kind of kind of odd. But uh, Sushi Rito, huh. way to roll. It looks like it's, yeah. yeah. I mean, it looks appetizing. I'd, I'd try it. Absolutely. Um, you brought a company to my attention, Itza. Oh, Itza's great. E-A-T-S-A. Yeah. What do we need to know? They're up in San Francisco up at the Rincon Center. So it's kind of in, a, in an office district. Um, it's a really cool concept. They've kind of eliminated, uh, it's actually all, you know, they've eliminated the cashiers. You go in, you order from a kiosk, uh, you know, it's quinoa bowls. It's, and it's, it's tasty. And it's, they're 6.95. And, uh, you know, you order it how you want it. You can customize it. You can build your own. It's healthy. Um, it's, everything's about, you know, five, six hundred calories. And, uh, you know, two, three minutes later, it shows up in a little cubby. Automat style for you. Walk over, pick it up, and walk out. So explain this concept a little further. There's probably some employees in back. Yeah, I, I don't know. You don't see the back when you walk in. Okay. You see the front. You see they have a couple concierges walking around kind of helping people out because it's a completely different concept. I'd never seen anything like it. I don't know if anything like it exists. So it's called Itza in San Francisco. If anyone has anything that they want to add as far as fun and cool concepts, Call the show, 800-516-1220. How about food trucks? They seem to have made this massive run in the last 10 years that they're now part of the culture. They're now part of eating out, even on a date. 
Yeah, I mean, I think they're part of the culture, but how they're, you know, fitting in, you know, where they're fitting in and where they're profitable for, you know, food truck operators to operate has, you know, become an evolving thing. I don't hear so much anymore about, you know, I, I you know, I think they've kind of saturated the market and they have a place and they're going to, they're going to continue to be around because, you know, frankly, you know, I don't know. There, I, when I was, I was a little early to, to the show here and I was looking around for, you know, a bite to eat and some coffee and there wasn't a lot of, you know, restaurants in this particular area. There's a lot of office buildings. So, you know, people want to eat. People want to eat good food. How about companies like Yelp? As a restaurant owner, there's a lot of controversy on Yelp. Some people say that Yelp holds restaurants captive and say, if you don't buy advertising, you're going to get bad reviews or we're going to push this up top. What's your opinion as a restaurant owner in Yelp? Probably the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Um, I mean, I think Yelp's a powerful tool for people to get, you know, their voice out there. I think with any user-generated content, you know, it it gives a, you know, a large audience to a vocal minority. Um, you know, and at the same at the same time it allows people to talk about their experiences and share what they experience. So, I mean, frankly, I don't see anything wrong with Yelp. I occasionally look at Yelp when I'm, look, you know, deciding where to go out and eat. But I don't look so much at, you know, the star ratings. I just look for people's comments and I look for, you know, what resonates with me as being sort of an honest experience and an honest assessment of the particular restaurant. I'm with you on that. Um, switching gears to Open Table. Open Table's been around, I think, 20 years now. Yeah, we were customer 167 Okay. of Open Table. So tell me a little bit about the history of Open Table and what it meant to you. Open Table, I think, overall was good for us. Um, you know, in the in the long run, uh, with Relish, we're not going to take reservations. So open Table will be irrelevant. I just uh, shipped back all our equipment to them a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, I think the good thing about Open Table is it adds sort of convenience and ease to the reservations process. Um, more than fifty percent of our Reservations came through Open Table. I think the downside of Open Table is it sort of commoditizes the reservation process or the restaurants. And, you know, a lot of times you just have someone, I need a, a reservation in this area at this time who has a spot available. Um, so, you know, when I'm up in San Francisco, sometimes I don't know all the neighborhoods. I'm looking for somewhere to eat. I'll just pull up the Open Table app and, like, see what's in, the, you know, see what's in the area. Good perspective. I'm talking with Chef Josiah Sloan. He's opened a, a new concept in Saratoga called Relish, no reservations, super high-quality local food. Um, he's one of my favorite people who's ever prepared food for me. He's prepared a whole pig in a backyard once for Dan Rusinowski, which I think is kind of fun. Yeah, that was a good time. <laughs> pig cooking, good time. Uh, we'll take a break here. We'll be right back with one more segment, 800-516-1220. When I come back, I'm going to ask you, Josiah, about some of your favorite restaurants in the Bay Area, maybe some places we should be eating at that we're not. Sounds like a plan. If so, if so, we know we're coming. If so, if so. We'll be coming. Well, I'm against it. I'm against it. 
You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back again, Rob Black and Your Money. Sitting with me today is Josiah Sloan, chef, acquaintance of mine. I won't call a friend, but good acquaintance, and I like him enormously. Ran the restaurant Sunt Sauvie, Sunt Sauvie in Saratoga. He's got a new concept there now called Relish, opening December 2015. Um, tasty chef. Speaking of tastes, I think I saw a statistic once that in the 1950s, we had like four spices in our kitchen. Salt, pepper, garlic, and something else probably. Um, by 1980, we had 40 spices. And now in the 2000s, we've got 80 spices. Um Spices, is that evolving changes? What's your take on that quick thought? Well, well, I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a little biased on this subject. You know, some, some chefs are into herbs. I love herbs, but I'm really into spices. I love spices. I love cooking with spices. Um, I think it just adds an incredible depth and backbone to, to food that you can't get elsewhere. Um, so I mean, I think part of it is just, you know, the American palate has evolved. Um, exposure to different cuisines, exposure to flavors from around the world. People become comfortable with it. People want to cook with, you know, bring a little bit of that into their cooking. Um, you know, there was a dish that we served for a while at the restaurant. It was a pork dish, but it had fenugreek in it. Most people just said, you know, I like it. Um, but there was a few people, particularly people who were very attuned to Indian cuisine, they say, oh, I love the fenugreek in this dish. Gotcha. Um, so, you know, part of it's what you grew up with, what you've worked with, and um, but a lot of people just liked it. It's interesting that you say that because McDonald's has kind of stayed same and true. Big Mac today is the same Big Mac from 20, 30 years ago. Wendy's does a pretzel bun, and stock goes crazy just because of the pretzel bun. One little thing, Burger King, they're kind of let's do sriracha fries or let's do any sort of spice. It's the millennials who want the spice. Not the, I'm not going to totally dump it on them. But it moves stocks when you see a, a spicy menu item added. Yeah, I mean, I think people want excitement in their food. With that said, McCormick, publicly traded stock. Where would you think the stock's trading at? 82.42 a share. <laughs> Good call. You took a look. All-time high. Um, since 1990, the stock has not had a f- bad five-year period at all. Since, you know... 90 to 95, 95 to 2000, 2000, 2005, 2005, 2010, 2010, 2015, it's always moved higher. Um, and that's, you know, would you invest in a, a company like a McCormick who's known for their spices, or does it offend you that they do mass quality spices, mass well, quantity? I'm a, I'm a pragmatist. I mean, I think, you know, being a, you know, being a big country and needing to get food to, you know, 300 million people or whatever, you know, big companies are going to be around. I think it's a matter of them being able to, innovate and provide products that are relevant to the marketplace and people vote with their wallets. Somewhere um, in the next 20 years, we're going to go from 7 billion people on this planet to 9 billion people on this planet. Are we going to be able to feed them traditionally the way we've been feeding ourselves? Or do you think we go towards more manufactured? I I think there's definite challenges um, to being able to feed 9 billion people. I had a guest on a couple of weeks ago from Ivy Times, and she's doing a lot of research on um, greenhouses into you know, um, skyscrapers. Skyscraper greenhouses is probably the way we're going to have to solve some of our problems. Yeah, I mean, there's there's creative ways to do it. There's Ecopia Farms over in Campbell. They do 
um, year-round vegetables grown indoors under high-efficiency LED lights in soil organically. Let's talk about some trends in restaurants. What are you seeing right now? Definitely a trend towards, you know, kind of a upscale casual is big. Beer is a huge trend. Uh, at Relish, we're putting in 24 beers on tap. Anheuser-Busch just got together with Molson Coors, or not with Molson Coors, but um, S.A.B. Miller. I don't drink those beers. No, neither do I. Um, but they're also buying up, all the big beer companies are buying up or forming partnerships is the new um, trend with, you know, craft brewers. Uh, you know, there was a big Heineken Lagunitas deal recently. There was the, uh, you know, there's been a lot of deals like that. So if it's selling out or was it bringing bigger distribution to Europe or, you know, how it ends up, who knows? Ballast Point comes public in 2015. They make Sculpin beer. And when I drink a Sculpin beer, it's to me, it's a little heaven on my palate. Oh, it's great stuff. It's To me, have it's all tr- organic. It's like, it's, it's healthy. Have you tried the grapefruit Sculpin? It's a topic that comes up regularly. And the man behind you will talk to your ear off it, the producer. Um, he works for 21st Century Amendment. And, okay. Uh, the way they do the grapefruit, they somehow infuse a little bit of vodka with a lot of grapefruit. And then they just drop a little bit of vodka into the beer. So, or vodka oil or something like that. I'm not saying it right. It's not my expertise. Yeah, you can extract the grapefruit essential oils with alcohol. See, I know. You're talking French to me, and I love that about you because I love good food, and I can get you to retirement, and you can get me good food, and that's the way the relationship should work. Um, restaurants that you like in the Bay Area, what restaurants would you pay to go to? What restaurants would I pay to go to? What gets you excited? You know, like, I, you know, I, I kind of go back to the Anthony, you know, Bourdain um, thing. You know, one of my favorites is Milpitas. I might have might have plugged him last time. A place called South Legend. It's a sort of traditional Szechuan style food. Okay. It's good. It's really good. Now traditional to me, we're not talking about chicken feet. Uh their chicken feet are good. Okay, see, I, I can't do it. I'm too but, Americanized. Yeah, but they they've got other stuff that's not chicken feet. Okay. I, I like the P.F. Chang's chicken feet, which mm. aren't chicken feet. So P.F. Chang's, a lot of people don't realize, stands for Paul Fleming's, right. P&F. Yeah. I mean, the great restaurateurs who have just got high-end concepts, that the food's not the greatest, but they've got the concepts. I mean, there's people who are just good restaurateurs, you know. I yep. didn't, I'd invest in him. Okay. <laughs> you know? So there's Fleming Steakhouse, there's, you know, Paul Martin's, there's like these little ties all around uh, with these companies. You've got 10 seconds. Any plugs you want to give out? Listen to the Rob Black Radio Show and come come visit us at, at Relish in uh, Saratoga, one four five eight three Big Basin Way. Awesome food, awesome guy, Josiah Sloan. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. If you need any of his contact information, contact me at robblack.com. Take a break here. We'll talk soon. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. 
Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.